0: podcastle number 3 for April 15th, 2008 The Run of the Fiery Horse by Hillary Moon Murphy
1: This is Rachel Swirsky, PodCastle's chief editor. Today's story is Run of the Fiery Horse by Hilary Moon Murphy. I mentioned in our Metacast that alongside introductions from our regular hosts, PodCastle would sometimes invite a fan or an author to introduce a piece for us. Today's story is introduced by our first guest host, Kay Tempest Bradford, who is both a fan and an author. Tempest has published work in Farthing, and Interfictions, and has a story coming up in PodCastle. She runs the popular blog, The Angry Black Woman, at theangryblackwoman.wordpress.com. Before I hand the virtual mic over to Tempest, let me quickly introduce our author and narrator. Hilary Moon Murphy is a librarian, storyteller, and parent. In her spare time, she runs the Twin Cities Speculative Fiction Writers Network, the best networking site for writers of SF in Minnesota. If you're in the neighborhood, she invites you to come to one of their events. Run of the Fiery Horse first appeared in Realms of Fantasy. It's read by me. And now let me get out of the way to let Tempest chat about the impact Run of the Fiery Horse had on her as a young fantasy reader.
2: One of the first genre magazines I ever came across was Realms of Fantasy, and it was my favorite through high school and college. They published a lot of amazing stories, many that I still remember in detail today. And one that I remember the best is Hillary Moon Murphy's Run of the Fiery Horse, published in June 2002. I loved this story so much when I first read it that I immediately looked up Hillary's website and sent her an email. This is my first fan letter I ever wrote. She replied, and we started corresponding, reading each other's blogs, and eventually we met at Wiscon. A few months after I first read the story, I had to get rid of some stuff because I was moving. I had a lot of these little Pokemon toys from a Burger King Kid's Mill promotion a few years back. As I was boxing them up to donate, I found a little Rapidash toy. Now for those of you unfamiliar with Pokemon, Rapidash is a little white horse or unicorn type thing with a mane and tail made of fire. You push a button on the toy and it shoots across the table on little wheels. When I found that, I immediately thought, oh, this is the Run of the Fiery Horse. So I sent it to Hillary. She still tells people about it today, and I'm proud to be the one who sent to her first fan art. Run of the Fiery Horse references the belief in Chinese astrology that each person is born under two signs, one associated with an animal and the other associated with an element. Depending on the year you were born, you might be a wood dog or a water rat. I'm an earth horse. Fire horses, born in 1966 or 1906, are a combination of a powerful element and a powerful animal and seen as strong-willed, independent, freedom-loving, and impossible to contain. Girls born in fiery horse years had a hard time finding husbands, if they were allowed to grow up at all. The author was born under the year of the Fiery Horse and first heard the legend growing up in an Asian neighborhood in San Francisco. She says that the legend haunted her as she wondered about the fates of all those Fiery Horse girls. So she came up with her own legend for what happened to one. I hope you enjoy listening to The Run of the Fiery Horse as much as I loved reading it back then. It still has the ability to make me cry, so keep a box of tissues handy. RUN OF THE FIERY
1: HORSE by Hilary Moon Murphy The serpent C. Shah stalked his prey both in and out of dreams. Sometimes, when hungry enough, he would begin and end his hunt on a single night. But what satisfaction remained from such a brief encounter— Half the pleasure came from anticipation, from delving deep within the secrets of his prey and uncovering them one by one. If he found game worthy enough, the hunt could continue for months, even years. Si Shah tasted the blood from his last kill, a spiritless man he had stalked and killed in only a few hours, a thin meal hardly enough to sustain him. Why did so few now have the boldness that made for a memorable meal? In their waking lives, most people's thoughts were small and cold. But when he slid into their dreams, Si Sha luxuriated in the heat of all the passions they suppressed during the day, he would explore their minds, marveling how each person held vast worlds within themselves. His tongue flickered out, "'sniffing the river of dreams that swirled around him. "'He had studied humans long enough "'to be a connoisseur of their flavors. "'Those born in the year of the wooden ox "'tasted faintly of wheat and nuts. "'Metal pigs had the aroma of tart berries, "'and water dragons reminded him "'of the salty wines of Nippon. "'But the taste he sought remained elusive. "'Then he found it, hot, almost peppery.' "'with an underlying sweetness. Si Shaw closed his eyes and hissed with pleasure. "'A female of the fiery horse, the rarest of flavors. "'Few of the girl children born in that year "'had lived past their first night. Si Shaw had found them abandoned on country hillsides "'and city rubbish heaps, "'as families rid themselves of their inauspicious newborn daughters. "'They had tasted delicious.' Eight-year-old Li Chi found taunting the Po brothers irresistible. They were fat and mean, and her neighbors. She stuck her tongue out at them. Slow, slow, slow. Do you two have feet, or do you slide on snot like a snail? Po Ta, the quieter of the two, just bit his lip, but his older brother Po Fei turned bright red and shouted, "Chi, you have just died. Both brothers tore after her. Laughing, Chi careened through the crowded stalls of the market, her wild, tangled hair blowing behind her. She sprinted past vegetable sellers who chanted the praises of their produce. Their calling voices developed a hypnotic rhythm that carried her along. Pofe bounded behind her, covered in sweat, his little brother trailing far behind. Chi wove around an ox cart under hanging cages of squawking pigeons and then dashed at the last moment between the men bearing a lady's palanquin through the crowded jeweler's stalls. The startled bearers jerked to a stop, almost dropping the palanquin, which rocked from side to side. The woman within screamed. So did the bearers. Insolent girl! Child of piss! Chi did not look back. The Poe brothers were far behind her now. No one could catch her. Sweaty and out of breath, she loped around the edges of the market, dawdling for a while in the shadows of a doorway to watch a performing monkey. It was only at the gate of her courtyard that she discovered how much trouble had found her. Li Chi stopped, dismayed. A heavy-set dowager sat with her mother in the garden. Both Poe brothers stood nearby, with Poe Fei looking especially angelic. The child is a menace, the dowager said, racing everywhere. She startled my bearers and nearly overturned my palan— The dowager stopped mid-sentence, eyes narrowing as she spotted Chi. Girl, come here. Chi shook her head. Li Chi, come, her mother said. This is Madame Eng. Chi stepped forward reluctantly. Fei smirked as she walked past him. "'Madame Aang pointed at Chi's feet, already large for her age. "'Look at these, so big already. "'You cannot put off binding them any more.' "'No,' Chi whispered. "'What did you say?' "'No. I want to run.' "'Madame Aang's smile did not reach her eyes. "'She lifted her silk robe to show off her own lily feet, "'each no longer than Chi's palm.' "'Girls with big feet do not bring honor to their families with a good match. "'Be sensible, child. "'You were born when? "'The year of the snake? "'What need have snakes of feet?' "'Snake?' Pofe smirked. "'She's a husband killing fiery horse. "'Who'd marry her?' "'She clenched her fists. "'Be quiet!' "'Madame Aang's nostrils flared. "'No wonder she is unmanageable!' "'I would never have brought a fiery horse daughter into this world. "'But if I had, I would have raised her properly.' Cheese mother sat quietly, not meeting Madame Aang's eyes, "'as she received this criticism. "'You are right,' she said. "'We cannot put it off any longer.' Si Shaw continued to track the elusive scent. "'Oh, yes, this one already had the spark.' a pity she had not yet matured. Although some spirits were better when consumed young, fiery horses improved with age. Experience often mellowed them and gave them a depth and complexity that C. Shaw found appealing. Still, for all their strength, horses could be fragile. Once broken, their spirits rarely rallied. Eat her now or wait. Si Shaw would have to consider his options. Chi stared morosely at her feet. Why had they kept growing? Hadn't they known when to stop? Would she ever again feel mud squelching under her soles? Would tomorrow be the last morning she could wiggle her toes? She sneaked out while the cook prepared the family's evening rice. She wanted to remember every aspect of this run, the sweat on her skin, "'the pounding of her heart, and the pleasant soreness in her limbs. "'It did not take long for her legs to find their familiar rhythm, "'and she lost herself in the joy of it. "'If only she could run and not come back! "'Perhaps she could go someplace far away, "'where she could grow up with unbound feet and keep running forever. "'The daughters of foreign devils grew up like that. "'Why not her?' Lost in her thoughts, Chi did not see the great white serpent slide across her path until he was almost on top of her. She skidded to a halt. Wider than she was tall, the snake formed a large, scaly wall that even now coiled swiftly around her. She turned, but had nowhere to flee. Everywhere she saw white, the color of ghosts, and death. Oily rainbows like those found in puddles stirred with a grease stick played across the surface of each shiny white scale." The serpent brought his great head level with hers and studied her. Chi told herself that the pounding of her heart and the tremor in her limbs had come only because of the run. His golden eyes compelled her. In the right eye, she saw herself hobbling along on bound feet. In the left one, she saw herself as a tall, young woman running up a mountain path. She drew so close to the left eye that she brushed the serpent's soft scales by accident. Chi pulled away, shaking the visions from her head. Who are you? I am Si Sha, the dream stalker. I slide into people's dreams, and I hunt them until they die. I'm not dreaming. Just because your eyes are open does not mean that you are outside the dream. Where were you a few minutes ago? You ran in my realm, Li-Chi, dreaming of the lands beyond the Middle Kingdom. Chi swallowed. You're hunting me? Not yet. I offer you a choice. You can go to bed tonight and greet the footbinders on the morrow. You will live your life in misery and obedience, and you will be safe. Then the serpent brushed his face against hers, running his tongue lightly along her forehead. Or, you can run with unbound feet for seven years. Do you want to run, Li Chi? More than anything, she whispered. But I must know. What happens after the seven years? I eat you. Chi's hands shook. And she wiped sweat from her brow. Why? Why offer me a choice? Why wait? Your spirit shows much promise. It blazes bright, but not yet fierce. I want you mature, strong, unbroken. You will be a meal to savour. I need to think. May I walk for a while? You may. "'but I will go with you.' "'The serpent uncoiled himself "'and slid along the path beside her. "'As she walked, she took deep breaths, "'trying to clear her head. "'She did not know what to say. "'The wise decision, the one her parents would want, "'would be to choose long life and obedience. "'But seven years stretched far into the distance. "'So much could happen between now and then, "'and the footbinders would arrive tomorrow.' "'What use did she have for long life "'if she would have no joy in living it? "'Trembling, she realized she had already decided. "'I will run. "'As you wish.' "'As swiftly as he had come, the serpent had disappeared. "'Chi sank to her knees by the path. Sha had left behind a trail of crushed and broken underbrush. "'What sort of dream carried such weight?' In the middle of the broken plants, she found one shimmering white scale that slowly turned to grey in her hand. She turned it over and over before hurling it away. Si Shaw gave Master Lee a dream of his ancestors, who requested that Li take a message to Peking King immediately. Li went to saddle his horse, but found the animal's legs tied so tightly that it could not walk. When Lee protested, the servants loaded the horse into a lady's palanquin, exclaiming how graceful the animal now looked. He tried to undo the bindings, but it was too late. The animal was ruined. When Lee awoke, the curses of his ancestors still rang in his ears. After he called for his daughter, he studied with dismay the small-bowed figure before him. What respectable family would take his child in as a bride? One look at her would reveal the wild streak within, the unruly hair that escaped her braids, the lean muscles of her body, the guileless face that held none of her inner passion. Binding the girl's feet would not get her a wealthy husband, not with her horoscope. He frowned and called for his servants. "'Send away the footbinders when they come.' The servants looked at him sidelong, but they bowed and did not question his orders." Lee turned back to his daughter. Chi's eyes had widened. Once again, her every emotion was there on her face for all to see. Lee sighed. How could he, a man born in the year of the water-snake, ever understand his fiery horse-child? Yet understand her he must. It was not part of the nature of snakes to be wasteful. "'If he could not reshape his daughter to be a rich man's bride, "'he could guide her to a path better suited to her nature. "'I will not have you running wild,' he said. "'If you cannot marry, you should learn a trade. "'If you wish, you may work with me in the apothecary. "'In the morning you will help me boil my medicines. "'In the afternoons you will make my deliveries.' "'Chi gaped. "'She would be allowed, even encouraged, to run.' She knelt before her father, pressing her forehead to the floor. Father, she said, you have honored me. Later that night, Si sent Chi her first dream. He gave her a beautiful run, high in the cities of the clouds. The years passed and Chi turned fourteen. She still worked in the apothecary in the mornings, though now her father trusted her to tend the shop for a few hours each day by herself. She loved mixing medicines and talking to customers. The most regular was Potah, who came in every day with some imagined symptom or other. The fat little boy had grown into an awkward teenager with a broad, earnest face and hands that would always seem too big for him. He appeared lost without his loathsome brother, and she often gave him something harmless to calm his nerves. He always thanked her graciously, and she came to look forward to his visits. Over tea one morning, Chi asked, Ta, what must your brother think of you spending so much time in our unworthy shop? Perhaps he does not notice. Ta put down his empty cup with a sigh. But you and Fei do everything together, she said, swiftly refilling the cup. I thought so too, Ta said, staring morosely at the steam coming from his cup. Fei has other friends now older boys who know how to gamble cleverly handle fierce fighting crickets and drink plum wine without throwing up chi reached out and touched his hand but none of his friends are as true as you some day he will realize that tob blushed but did not move his hand away from hers right away when he left he said i'd rather spend the morning with you than own a dozen prime fighting crickets Chi smiled over his compliment while packing up jars of salves for the afternoon's delivery. Her route took her all over the city, from the silk markets near Universal Peace Bridge to the exclusive inns and courtesans at High Petal Court, to the mansions of the wealthy clients like Dowager Ang. "'So wise of you,' said the Dowager, when Chi arrived in the Ang courtyard, "'to send your feet ahead to let us know when you were coming.' "'Be careful where you step. "'I have seen carp ponds "'smaller than your footprints.' "'At one time Eng's comments would have sent "'Chi raging, but now "'Chi said nothing. "'The dowager bought the salves to soothe "'the sharp pain of the crushed bones "'and joints of her bound feet. "'Chi ran back home "'with a fierce joy, "'and then remembered why she could run "'it all. In less than a year, "'Si Sha would come for her. "'She tried not to think of it, "'but she felt his presence building in the back of her mind "'as if answering a summons. "'I would not run your regular route "'through the Central Square Market, my fiery horse. "'Why?' she demanded. "'But the presence was gone. "'It was bad enough that he slid through her dreams, "'but did he have to haunt her while she was awake? "'To spite him, she ran through the market anyway.' Nothing seemed amiss until she turned a corner and was ambushed by Po Fey and his new friends. They reeked of cheap plum wine and pelted her with rotten peaches. Fey shouted after her, "'What is larger than a dung heap and smells twice as bad? "'Your stinking feet, lychee!' Li Chi ran home with her fists clenched and her gaze fixed on far-distant points. Her hair and clothes stank of rotted peach, and wet, sticky clumps dripped from her neck down her back. She breathed deeply and tried to rein in her rage the way her father wanted. If she ran long enough, she could drown out the sound of their voices with the rhythms of her footfalls on the road. Upon hearing her story, her father sighed. "'You must exercise caution, my child,' "'None of this would have happened "'if you had watched where you were going "'and avoided Po Fey. "'He made her meditate on ways "'to avoid needless confrontation. "'But all she could think of that night "'was how much she hated Ta's older brother.' "'Ta arrived the next morning "'with news of Fei's disappearance. "'The boy had never come home that night. "'Some gossips thought that Fey had run off "'to avoid marrying a local girl he'd made pregnant.' but ta did not think so he would have told me ta said a few days later he may not have asked me to come with him but he would have told me he was going she listened to ta often holding his hand when he cried ta's gratitude embarrassed her he did not understand that listening to his troubles made her forget her own in her dreams running was never simply running No matter where she went, she would see the flash of white scales and know that Sisha watched her. She was sick of it. Stopping her run, she turned and strode purposely in the direction she had last glimpsed, the giant serpent. "'Why do you watch me when I dream?' "'I always study my prey.' "'I don't want you studying me any more.' "'Why should I not?' "'You are mine.' The serpent brushed against her legs. She stepped out of reach. Not yet. You gave me your life, and I shall cherish it to the very end. Please don't talk like that. Why? All people die, and most in meaningless ways. I have only one more year I want to live it without hearing how you will eat me at the end. I want you out of my head. There was a long silence. I have given you everything you desired. And still you manage to spurn me. Fascinating. Sisha slid toward her and licked her cheek. Your spirit awes me. What will it taste like next year? she could run but there was no place to escape one day as chi had finished and closed up the shop ta approached her li chi he said formally may we speak of course chi sat on one of the benches in the courtyard and beckoned him to join her ta remained standing my father consulted with an astrologer about the woman i should marry He fidgeted, hands fluttering as he walked. Sheep and horses often make good mates. She gaped. Your father wants you to marry me? Not yet, Ta admitted. But with time I could convince him it was his idea. You come from a good family, and your father has no sons to inherit his prosperous business. My father would like that. Rats always like money. Ta... I am a fiery horse. You wouldn't kill me. Fiery horses only endanger mates who wish to rule them. I'm a follower. I followed Faye. I followed my parents, and I follow you. I've thought hard about it. You are strong and beautiful. I would have you no other way. He took her hands in his, and she could not tell whether she or Ta sweated more. Her heart leaped and then she remembered her promise to Si Sha. She looked into his earnest face and said, You have honored and astonished me. I cannot think of anyone who would be a better husband for me, but I may not accept your offer. pot deflated before her eyes. I see. After pot left, Chi wept. That night she dreamed about pot rather than running si sha lashed his tail angrily back and forth how dare she dream so deeply of another he visited po ta himself a thinner spirit than his brother still si sha found ta's feelings for li chi fascinating the next night when he checked on chi's dream she sat curled up in a corner She? You were careless, she said tonelessly. Potah's mother found a gray scale in his room. You're angry. No answer. He tried to coil around her to comfort her, but she wriggled out of his grasp. Don't touch me! Don't you dare touch me! It's not the first time I killed for you. She stilled. Pofe. He was a complex meal Moody and full of jealousy and desire. I'm glad that you suggested for me to kill him. I never asked you to kill him. Never there was a long pause. Chi, what else would you have me do? Bring Pota back. You loved him? I cared for him. He was my friend. And I'll hate you forever for taking him away. Ta is part of me now. I have all of him. His memories, his emotions, everything. The way he laughed, his earnest smile, that heat he felt when your breasts bounced while you ran. I could reconstruct him for you in dreams. No! (laughs) Do you know what I really want? "'I want you to get out of my head and stay out. "'Let me have my last two months alone and free. "'But I need—' "'He broke off and looked into her eyes. "'I will give you what you want, Chi. Two months. "'But I shall miss our conversations.' "'After he left her, he tried creating a reconstruction of her "'from Potah's memories. "'But it wasn't the same.' Master Li found himself dreaming of his daughter again and again. Images of her as a small child and a young woman jumbled together, moving so quickly from one to another that he woke up dizzy and disoriented. Later the dreams began to focus in on a few images, reliving them over and over. Chi rising from her bath, her body glistening and wet. Chi licking her lips as she carefully wrote down the herbs used in each of the day's medicines— She running, arms outstretched, and a smile of triumph on her face. Lee had never had dreams like this before. When he tried to change the course of a dream through meditation, white scales glimmered at the edge of his vision, and the dream would shift once again back to his daughter. Lee began to wonder, were these dreams truly his, or did they belong to another? The next night, Lee met the dream without resistance. He patiently let the images of his daughter play out, one by one, following them to their source like a blind man feeling along the length of a pearl necklace for the clasp. At last he saw the creature who had been haunting his dreams. Lee had no fear of serpents or their toxins, but this creature was fantastically large, and Lee mistrusted its death-white scales and strange golden eyes. He bowed cautiously. Greetings to you, Great One. Greetings to you as well, Master Lee. The voice in Lee's head had the cool, measured feel of a hunter. Why have you sought me? To find out why you stalk my daughter in your dreams. I could be stalking you. Lee's heart skipped a beat, but he faced the serpent down. A fellow snake? I think not i'm too familiar to be interesting prey you are more interesting than you think master lee the voice was amused now i stalk chi in your dreams because i may not stalk her now in hers lee did not find the answer a comforting one as the days passed he watched his daughter with growing dismay Since Potah's disappearance, the girl had become a stranger to him. She sat quietly in the shop, the dutiful daughter with dark circles under her eyes. She would suddenly forget what she was doing, grinding seed pods to a powder when Lee had only wanted them cracked open, or boiling a potion so long that its potency steamed away. Master Lee stopped letting her prepare the medicines unless he was there to watch every step. Yet if she had nothing to do, she paced every corner of the shop, polishing jars that had been polished only hours before. "'Here,' Master Lee said, giving her some gnarled ginseng. "'Go to the back and chop this. You are scaring away my customers.' But her chops were uneven and awkward. And he gently pulled the knife away from her. "'Something is out of balance,' he said softly. "'Perhaps if we talk—' We can find the source of this imbalance, and restore your harmony. He knelt down next to her, pushing his spectacles up his nose. He tried to think of how to bring up the serpent, but he did not have his daughter's gift for blunt conversation. She looked up at him with a bleak expression in her eyes. Father, why did you not abandon me on a rubbish heap when I was born? Why raise a troublesome, fiery horse? He paused knowing that if he did not get this answer right, the chance for talking would be over. Finally, he said, There are many rare herbs that the ignorant destroy simply because they are toxins. They are fools. He showed her jars of opium, arsenic, and the dried shells of cantharides beetles. Poisons are the core of the apothecary's art. Once you understand an ingredient, you will know when it will save a life or kill it, Poison and medicine are yin and yang. You cannot have one extreme without the seeds of the other. When I first saw you, I had no doubt of your nature. How you howled, your fists clenched, and your face bright red with rage. The midwife urged me to be rid of you, but I could not bring myself to destroy something so strong, so powerful, as the squalling newborn I held in my hands. She blinked. Am I medicine, or am I poison?' Master Lee smiled. That depends on whether you are asking from the perspective of the patient, or of the disease. What is poison to a white serpent could be a cure for a girl of passion and courage. She dropped one of the jars, and it crashed and rolled along the tiles of the apothecary floor, scattering bits of shell everywhere. How did you know? I also have dreams, Chi. Tell me, why does the serpent stalk you? His daughter sobbed, surprising Li with the force of her emotion. He took her awkwardly into his arms, and haltingly she began to explain the dangerous bargain that she had made with Si Sha. Li listened to his daughter's explanation, rocking back and forth in deep concentration as she spoke. He would not lose his only child to the white serpent that smelled of death. It was time for Li Chi to meet her fate. She had not been able to sleep well the night before, and trembled as she entered the dreamlands. Her father had drilled her in endless scenarios and possibilities, but in the end their plan was no more than a few hunches and one very wild hope. You are a fiery horse, Li her father had said. Be true to your nature. In her mind's eye she clad herself in a dress grander than she had seen on the courtesans of High Petal Court, its outer robe a long, beaded scarlet silk with gilded borders. She mentally oiled her hair and swept it up into an ornate pattern and applied bits of color to her face and eyes. In a few seconds she had sketched in details that would have taken all of her female relatives' hours to achieve in the waking world. "'Why are you dressed in wedding clothes?' She turned slowly, allowing herself to feel this way of heavy beaded silk as she turned. It was important that every detail be exactly right. Her heart raced as she realized that C. Shaw lay directly behind her, watching. He could have taken her during her preparations. Was it only his curiosity that held him off? "'There will never be a husband for me other than you,' she said. "'You claimed me, courted me, eliminated rivals,' For seven years you have sought my secrets, sharing an intimacy that goes deeper than that of human lovers. Will not tonight be our final consummation? What? No fight? Si Shaw's golden eyes came even with hers. No bargaining for more time? Was that what Pota had done? Bargained for more time? She faltered a moment, then took a deep breath. Sisha had not acknowledged her claim, but he had not denied it either. Perhaps that would be enough. "'We have the entire night left,' she said, praying that saying so made it true. "'What more do I need? You have given me seven years—seven years to grow strong and live vividly. You did not see it that way two months ago.' "'I've had time to think since then, time to realize how much you have given me,' she stepped closer to the serpent." Will you accept a gift in return? The serpent's tail twitched. What sort of gift? I would have you run with me. She reached out and put her hands on the soft scales on each side of the serpent's face. Truly run, instead of just watching. Feel the run in the pounding of your heart, in the rhythm of your feet, in the play of air on your skin. Do you hear me, Sisha? Serpents. Have no feet. You are Si Shah the Dreamstalker. You are whatever you imagine yourself to be. Why are you offering this? If you must ask that, then you must know me not at all. The serpent hissed and closed his eyes. Scratch my head. Do it now, Li Chi. The serpent bumped his forehead against her hands, and she hesitantly scratched. His shimmering skin began to peel away like a long cloak. As the skin fell away, a well-formed man pulled himself out from under it. His scalp, back, and groin were dusted with fine scales that glittered like ice. When he opened his almond-shaped eyes, they were gold, with neither pupil nor white. He stood almost a head taller than she. Will this do? Yes, she said, with an intake of breath. He was magnificent. She pulled the ties of her ornate outer dress, allowing the heavy fabric to pool at her feet. She kicked it aside, standing in the short inner tunic, the one cut for running. She took his hand. Come, let us run where neither of us have run before. Where would that be? Inside your mind, Sisha. Inside your dreams. He pulled back from her. No one has gone there. No one. Is this C Shah, lover of surprises, seeker of rarities? She leaned forward, knowing that he stared at the swell of her breasts. Do you not wonder sometimes what it would be like to truly share yourself with another? It is our final night, and at the end of it you will be able to know yourself through my eyes. Does that not appeal to you? Si Shah mistrusted this whole, well-orchestrated scene. Wedding clothes, gifts. And though every word she spoke rang with truth, he sensed words behind them left unsaid. He should just eat her now. Then he would know all she had planned and be able to study it at his leisure. And yet, what if he then discovered that the gift was genuine Would he regret forever, denying himself the memory of one last run with his fiery horse? He glanced at her side long, admiring the hair that gathered at the nape of her neck, her strong, well-shaped legs, and the heat that arose with such force off her body. Now that he was in man-shape, her physical charms were almost as alluring as those of her spirit. What could one girl do to him? The dream-stalker. Let her have her little plans. He would have the whole of her, soon enough. The inside of his head was like nothing she had imagined. They stood hip-deep in the midst of a chilling white sea, a sea of outstretched arms and howling mouths, a sea of ghosts. As the tide washed against her, she could hear and taste and smell, each one. I had a plan to save the empire. But I was only a girl. Fish soaked in vinegar. Mamma? Stale mooncakes. My wealth filled five storehouses and bought me every woman but the one I wanted. The lingering aroma of tea smoked duck. So many voices of ghosts long past whispering in her ears. Young people, old people, even the high pitched wail of the newly born. The roar of voices was louder than the central square market at midday. How could he stand to have so much crammed into his head? Are you certain you wish to stay? Yes. She imagined a sandy path, with the firmness of a beach at low tide. It rose up out of the sea of ghosts, extending through the whole of Si Sha's vast open mind, and then she turned to him with a grin. slow, slow. Slow. Do you have feet, or do you slide on snot like a snail? He laughed, and the chase was on. Texture and sensual detail flowed into the dream. The flowers on the path started out as no more than dots of color, and then bloomed into heavily scented peonies, chrysanthemums, and poppies. The path changed from sand to dirt to cobblestone and back to sand again, but always seemed too fragile. The sea of ghosts washed on either side, spraying the air with their memories and sorrows and calling Li Chi to join them. She ran harder, her feet leaving behind deep footprints in the wet sand. Chi led the running, but Si Sha controlled the dream. At one point he made her run the race of nightmares, falling further and further behind the harder she ran. She slipped and clawed at the sand, unable to keep from sliding backwards, towards Si Sha. She panicked. Though it was important that she lose, she could not afford to lose too soon. The sea of ghosts splashed the path in front of Si Sha. The taste that accompanied the splash was as familiar and nourishing as fresh steamed rice. Po ta. A whisper brushed her ear. "'I follow you.' She raced forward again, stretching the path to the farthest corners of Si Sha's mind. "'There is no escape. "'Why do you continue to run? "'I want to see all of you, to know all of you the way you will soon know me.' "'Very well.' He began to toy with her, slowing her legs and twisting her path, and then releasing her to run again." At last she came to a craggy stone in the middle of the sea of ghosts. It was empty, and she could feel it calling to her, a hungry void that begged to be filled. "'This stone,' she paused, looking for the right words, "'this bleak place is the seat of your soul, isn't it?' "'You could call it that.' She toughened her resolve and ran through it. Here alone the voices were silent. "'There was nothing but an unyielding stone "'that all the ghosts in the world would not wash away. "'Not even moss could grow here, "'and an overwhelming emptiness closed around her. "'When at last she backed away, he was right behind her. "'I have caught you.' "'He was breathing heavily, "'and his body pressed hard against hers. "'So you have,' Li Chi said, "'fearing that at any moment the skin of the man would split, "'allowing the serpent to emerge reborn.' "'And now that you have me, what will you do?' "'Whatever I wish.' He leaned forward and licked her ear. "'You named me husband. I think perhaps we will have one consummation, and then the other.' "'A consummation. Perhaps it would take the full dance of clouds and rain to bring this to an end. Her heart pounded, and she realized that her father had not devoted enough time to this part of the scenario.' Would she even know what to do? She forced herself to relax in his arms, but now she was trembling with fear as much as desire. "'You rule all that you survey, mate of my soul.' She reached up and kissed him, pressing her lips fiercely against his. He laughed and slid his hands under the fabric of her tunic, parting her lips with his tongue. When at last he entered her, she knew she had failed. Nothing had changed. "'Soon it would be over, and she would be one more ghost "'washing up against the void in his soul. "'He shuddered mid-climax and gasped with shock. "'His breathing grew ragged, and his hold on her faltered. "'He fell. "'When the ghosts began to shout her name, "'she realized she had not failed after all. "'I don't understand. "'What is... what is... happening?' "'She knelt over him and took his hand.' Death has come for you, Dreamstalker. I am Si Shah. What could? How? Fiery horses kill the husbands that try to rule them. I am your toxin. It is as much a part of my nature as the legions of ghosts are of yours. It's in our run. I left my footprints all over your soul and reached its very seat. There is no escaping me. I would have treasured you forever. His golden eyes clouded, and his shimmering scales slowly turned gray. I know, she said, stroking his forehead. But I would rather live. His lips parted. Whatever reply he would have made was lost as his body faded back into the dreamlands. Then the ghost ceased stilled, finding rest at last. Li Chi brushed the sand from her legs and stood, The whole of the dreamlands lay before her. She took off running.
0: Our first episode, Peter Beagle's Come Lady Death, has been very well received. Hardly surprising since we cheated a little bit by picking a classic to open with. Along with a couple of comparisons to Poe's Mask of the Red Death, there have been quite a number of comments approving of Mr. Beagle portraying death as a young woman, a refreshing change from the traditional skeletal scythe-wielding death. Interestingly, Artem told us that, in Russian language and culture, death is feminine and female. Sometimes, she's referred to simply as staruka, old woman, or the hag. Plainish was impressed that Beagle's death was able to remember everybody's name. He said, that's a magic trick I have yet to master. Several people complimented Mr. Jenkins' reading. Listener said when he communicated the snarky parts, he had a touch of the izzard about him. Listener also observed that my intro seemed to be a little too, I'm reading something I wrote beforehand, could you tell? Well, it's a fair cop. I'm new to the pod casting game, so I can only hope I'll get better as I go along. PodCastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of PodCastle or nearly anything else in our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartists.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod, And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Dreams have a poetic integrity and truth. This limbo and dust hole of thought is presided over by a certain reason, too. Their extravagance from nature is yet within a higher nature.